Give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open spaces that I love. Don't fence me in. I wanna be by myself in the evening breeze. All right, we are back, and I think it's time to talk a little bit about travel. Something I, I like to do on this program every time I go somewhere. I firmly believe that Americans do not travel enough. Uh, it's a startling statistic that three out of four Americans do not, in fact, own passports. Travel certainly uh, proves the old uh, the old adage that it's difficult to see the picture when you're inside the frame. Uh, you learn a lot about America and the society from which you come when you go to another one. That's not the main reason to go, but it's a nice byproduct. A couple months back, I suggested a uh, mini vacation to my friend Gordon, who uh, I'd previously gone with to Costa Rica. And uh, the, t- the two countries I've never visited in North America were Honduras and El Salvador, and I thought, why not go check them out? Now, Honduras is, is pretty well known uh, for its, uh, you know, well, a couple things. It's noted for its Bay Islands off the north coast of the country. They are, are sites of world-class scuba diving and snorkeling. For quite a long time in, in, uh, in the history of Central America, they were uh, owned by the British. And for a while, they were also run by pirates. There's, in fact, a very strong tradition on those islands of speaking English. Two most popular islands are Roatan and Utila. Anyway, I'd heard people talk about uh, Roatan and Utila for a long time, and I thought it'd be a worthwhile spot to check out. Honduras also has the ruins of Copan, an ancient Mayan city, which are considered among the best of, uh, of the, um, the New World ruins. So I knew for sure that Honduras was going to be a, a, a good place to visit. I just had some doubts about El Salvador because, let's face it, Nobody goes to El Salvador. I mean, I like to travel. Gordon likes to travel. We like to hang around people that like to travel. And the two of us have only met two people between us who'd ever been to El Salvador, which were hitchhikers we picked up when we were in Costa Rica. I asked them uh, how, how, they, uh, how they liked it. They said, well, you know, it's interesting. You got the place to yourself. That, of course, is not strictly true. El Salvador does attract a trickle of surfers who come to... Uh, come to the country to do some of its, well, famous surfing. It's got a couple of well-known breaks for surfers around the world. But other than that, uh, El Salvador is famous for two things. It's civil war and the fact that there's lots of gang members that the U.S. deports every year, which makes everyone sort of think that it's, it's a country, you know, in revolutionary turmoil and, and, and ridden with crime. And I'm, I'm happy to report it is neither. Felt uh, pretty safe there, although everyone advises you that there's just certain places you just best not go. Unfortunately, uh, on that list was the beach area south of San Salvador, which is really well known for crime. It's not a big country. It's only the size of Massachusetts, so it doesn't take a lot of time to, you know, see a fair amount of the countryside. We rented a car on our first day there to drive west in what was called the Ruta de Flores, uh, an area where they grow coffee up in the hills, which is famous for uh, supposedly the flowers alongside the road, but I think you really need to go when the coffee blossoms are blooming. When uh, the gal came to drop our car off, I suggested that on the way out of town we drop her off. She could drive us back to the office and we could continue on from there, which turned out to be a, 
uh, a good idea for many reasons, not the least of which with the fact that she was very well informed about the politics in the country and talked about the upcoming election at some length and how she felt about it. So we got a real education on poli sci from the car rental company. She was very optimistic that the FMLN was going to prevail on the next weekend, which was curious because on the way in, our cab driver was a big fan of the Arena Party, which has been in, in power since the Civil War. The cabbie was quite confident they were going to thump the opposition, uh, you know, a, a week hence. But he was wrong. In a squeaker, something like 52 to 48, uh, the election went to Mauricio Funes, a former uh, TV reporter. I think he was a news anchor, or as they call in most other countries, news reader. Although I think he actually does have some decent credentials as a journalist. He, uh, he joined this party, which is a coalition of some of the revolutionary groups that fought in that civil war back in the 80s. And in spite of some of the rhetoric you've been, you've been probably reading here at home about how this is just another Latin American nation moving to the left, Funes did not appear to be identifying himself with uh, other governments like uh, Nicaragua's Daniel Ortega or, or Venezuela's Hugo Chavez or certainly Fidel Castro of Cuba. But on numerous posters I saw, that was exactly what the Arena Party was trying to do. Saw numerous posters with Castro, Chavez, uh, Ortega, and, uh, and Bolivia's uh, Evo Morales uh, up there to show people that this is what you're going to get if you vote for the FMLN. Mr. Funes did not take part in the Civil War, but apparently some people that are going to be in his government were uh, former combatants. It seems fairly certain there are going to be some changes in the relationship of the U.S. to El Salvador. Uh, El Salvador has traditionally been one of our closest allies. It actually sent troops to Iraq. It's been very dependent upon the money sent home by citizens working in the U.S. And surprisingly, the national currency of the country is the U.S. dollar. It adopted the dollar as a standard a few years back, something that uh, Ecuador has done as well which uh, has had its pluses and minuses. Our, our car rental gal uh, was pretty convinced that this was a very bad idea. This had, this had basically put people really behind the eight ball economically. She noted that the prices in dollars were, were, were a lot higher and that people's earnings had not caught up. Personally, I was rather shocked to be driving around San Salvador on more than one occasion, uh, just looking up at what was around you, and you, there was no way to know that you were not in the United States. There was a TGIFs, there was a Wendy's, there was a Burger King, there was Shell Station. Gordon, in fact, at one point said, look around, is there any way of telling you're not in the U.S. right now? Now, in truth, in general, you could discern that you were not in the U.S. of A., but uh, boy, it is amazing the degree to which uh, corporate America has gone down there and set up some infrastructure. But it is worth noting that Mauricio Funes, uh, political point of reference, was not Hugo Chavez, but Barack Obama, a person to whom he was frequently comparing himself in the run-up to the election. So in short, I thought, uh, you know, El Salvador was, was rather pleasant. But it is very densely populated. It's got as many people as Honduras, and with maybe, I don't know, a fourth the area. And it did seem hard to find stretches of open land that you know, didn't have people on them. We had a pleasant enough stay there for a couple days. I don't, I don't know that El Salvador is going to be a big tourist mecca. In fact, uh, I think the reason why I'll be clear if I read you a few quotes from the Lonely Planet uh, Central America on a Shoestring Guide. The Ruta de Flores goes past a town called Sosonate, which is not on the Ruta. 
Well, probably for a good reason. Here's what the guidebook had to say. Hot and menacing. Sosonate isn't a fun place to stay. And uh, a town of the town of Awachapan, which is on the Ruta de Flores, did a, a little better. Said the book, just 16 kilometers from the Guatemalan border, it makes a pleasant enough first or last stop, though there isn't much to do. Well, I have to agree, there wasn't. We stopped and, you know, the ice cream wasn't bad. But on uh, day two, we took in uh, the National Museum of the country, which was, which, was, which was nice. Then drove out to the little colonial town of Suchitoto, which had a really stunning view of a lake, which bordered with Honduras. Met a couple of uh, Salvadorian rappers who had been in the same bar we were in uh, in El Salvador the night before. Uh, one guy was complaining about, you know, he'd been in the States. And he, a lot of people we'd met had been in the States and had come back. And he was really decrying the fact that he was being judged for how he dressed. His own mother, he said, complained that he looked like a gangster. And although, you know, I liked the guy, he was a very pleasant guy. He certainly looked like he dressed like a gangster to me. And he, even he admitted, well, you know, uh, people should judge me on who I am, and, you know, I, I like to dress this way. And, you know, fair enough, but, you know, people do tend to judge a book by its cover. They asked me if I had any tips as to how they could break into the hip-hop market in the United States. I had to confess I was something less than an expert on this topic. I did, however, make what I thought was a pretty good suggestion. They might want to check out kdvs.org. Listen to some of the uh, the hip hop programming, and you know, drop people an email, maybe with a with a with a file of some of their music. I personally, I hope they do it, and I hope we'll hear some of their stuff uh, locally. I think that'd be great. I, I confess, I personally won't be listening. But to those of you who enjoy the genre, I I wish everybody the best. Doggone it. Anyway, El Salvador may actually set the world standard for bad signage. At one point, just trying to get out of town, Gordon and I were driving along, and one gentleman, I think he had a Bible under his arm, uh, we stopped and asked which was the way to the highway, because we just could not figure it out, and he directed us to go south, take a left of the light, keep on going a couple, few blocks, and we'd be fine. Well, unfortunately, I decided to check again after we'd gone just a few blocks, and someone told me, oh, no, 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 go to the north. So on driving back up to the north, we saw the same guy again, pointing a different direction. I think he was trying to tell us, no, no, I was telling you to go the other way. So we drove down and promptly came to a dead end. By the time we'd done this, I looked out the window and there was our man a third time. Which reminded me exactly of the scene backstage in This Is Spinal Tap. This time the guy carefully explained what he was trying to tell us the first couple times. And we got it this time, and we, you know, we were able to make the connection. But uh, as they were pulling out, his son <laughs> looked at us and said, if you can't find it, come back, and then we can talk in English. <laughs> Alas, we were able to figure our way out of the situation, and we didn't get to speak English with the young man, who I think was really looking forward to that because there just aren't a lot of tourists, and we, we got a lot of looks. On our last day, too, we went to check out this uh, revolutionary museum, by far the most curious exhibit uh, I found was that of the clandestine radio station that the FMLN had set up up in the hills to broadcast uh, to, to you know, the populace in El Salvador. The museum uh, carefully preserved the equipment and, and showed you a recreation of how they basically would go into a little hut or like into a cave, 
set up a transmitter, and then broadcast. They did uh, bear a distinct resemblance to, uh, to similar exhibits I've seen uh, in Cuba for uh, the, uh, the guerrilla movement that operated under uh, Fidel Castro. But I don't recall anything about a radio station, so uh, you know, let's score one for El Salvador. Day three, we took public transportation, left, uh, left on a very nice bus heading north into Honduras. But to get to Copan, we had to get off uh, at this crossroads town called Entrada and take, uh, well, the chicken bus. Somewhat of a misnomer in this case because there were no farmers on board with their chickens. But anyone who's traveled about in Latin America or in a lot of places of the world will note that that's, uh, you know, it's a pretty common occurrence. I remember riding on a bus in Mexico one time with a woman sitting next to me that had a bunch of baby chicks in a box. Whole trip long, they were just cheap, 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 cheap. But our bus was a way for the, uh, the schoolgirls to, to get home. And, uh, you know, they, we, had, we had a bus full of school kids and some visitors from other countries, um, a multinational group that was coming in to see the ruins at Copan. That's where we met David, who talked quite a bit about uh, the history of Nicaragua. Something I hope he will do uh, for you, dear listener, in the not-too-distant future. His specialty is Nicaragua. We've asked him to comment first and foremost about what just happened in El Salvador, so I'm expecting a report for well, next week's program. The little town of Copan Ruinas, uh, it was quite a delight. Very user-friendly. Well used to receiving tourists from all over the world who come there to, to see these Mayan ruins. Personally, I would not, uh, would not rank the site above Tikal in Guatemala, which has these huge temples that are really just spectacular. But Copan, you know, had tens of thousands of people in its heyday. And uh, interestingly, uh, going to have to pull out in the weeks to come Jared Diamond's book Collapse, wherein he tells the tale of how we now think the civilization of the Maya at Copan uh, kind of did a belly flop at one point when the population expanded to the point where people occupied the hillsides, caused runoff, loss of soil fertility, crop failure, etc., etc. Once the population crashed, it evidently took centuries for uh, the soil to restore itself. But uh, the ruins were great, and the museum they've set up right off-site is also excellent. I think it's safe to say we would give that, uh, that two thumbs up as a tourist attraction. If you have any plans, uh, dear listener, to travel to that part of the world, and I hope you do, that would be a must-see. One thing that really, really impressed me traveling out of uh, the town of Copan Ruinas to go up to the coast to take the ferry over to the island of Roatan was how good the bus was. Not only was it very comfortable with people serving snacks and drinks, but they actually had a first-run movie, Slumdog Millionaire, no less. I'd been meaning to get around to see it, but hadn't done so, and wasn't sure seeing it on a Honduran bus was ideal, but I said, what the heck? Watching that movie bouncing along the, the Honduran countryside, uh, you know, with Spanish subtitles was, was quite an experience. We arrived at the town of San Pedro Sula, which is actually the economic hub of the, the nation of Honduras. Apparently it's got the newest and best airport and more flights into the country than does the capital of Tegucigalpa, something I was not aware of. But the bus station in San Pedro was like an airport. It was really nicely laid out. I must say, arguably the, the best bus station I've ever seen. Well, to make a long story short, and I am I'm going on a bit here, we made our way up to Roatan via the ferry, and um, 
It's world famous for the diving, and justifiably so. Had the privilege to dive in a lot of pretty cool places over the years, and I've, I haven't seen anything better than Roatan. I've seen places that had bigger, more colorful fish, perhaps in Mexico 30 years ago, but just for the sheer volume of fish and how clear the water was, just how enjoyable it was to swim over the reef and, and, and mix it up with these fish, oh my God. Another one, ladies and gentlemen, to mark on your must-see list if you have any inclination to travel down to that part of the world. I feel fairly certain that I will be back. One final note about the trip. I'd heard the crime was bad, so I used the, my, my Che Guevara wallet, which I purchased in, in El Salvador, to put small amounts of money any time I went out. But uh, running ahead of schedule on my last day, I asked the cab driver to drive me to a couple spots, maybe to get some good views on the way to the airport, because it was only a half-hour journey, and I had like, you know, three hours to kill. Unfortunately, uh, a spot that he chose to get a good view was the large church on the way to the airport, really one of the symbols of the city of Tegucigalpa, which unfortunately, two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, had almost nobody around, which evidently convinced three local thugs that uh, they might mug us, the cab driver and I, a mugging which was regrettably successful. After locking the car and going to the front of the church, we were returning back to make that turn, that right turn to go back to where the car was, and blocking the steps was this goofy-looking guy with a bad hairdo. My first thought when I saw him was, this jackass is holding a toy gun. But I didn't get a perfect look at the gun. He was holding it down to the side, not brandishing it, not pointing it at us, and I, I wasn't 100% positive that it was a toy, and in that moment of... Confusion and indecision, two other guys came roaring up. It was three on two, and they just said, you know, let's have what you got. The cabbie gave him some grief, and two of the guys whacked him. I turned to my left, and he was sort of being staggered backward. So there's that kind of long moment where you're thinking, eh, what do you do? You know, I think that gun is fake, but, you know, I don't want those to be my last words which does remind me of, of, of the sentence in the English language that you should never, ever say, which is, go ahead and shoot. Now, that's an aside in this case. I certainly would have never uttered those words myself. But well, I'm just sort of, what makes me most angry about it is I was pondering, you know, is that, is that gun fake? Thinking we should just shove this guy past us, but would have been a mistake. They wind up getting my, they wind up getting my, $20 Casio watch, my $5 Parker T-ball jotter pen, and the money that I had in the wallet, which was turned out to be about 150 bucks. The cabbie lost about 10 bucks, lost his cell phone, and when they started pulling away, I was looking down, okay, passports here, you know, credit cards are not taking them. I wasn't I was just not even that upset by the whole thing. Except as they were withdrawing, I realized they took the camera. What do they want the camera for? So I yelled at him in Spanish, Hey, leave the camera. You don't need the camera. But alas, I failed to convince them. So I picked up the chapstick, my hand cleaner, the wallet, the passport, stuffed it all back where it had been. <laughs> the cabbie kind of looks at me and says, Well, you want to see inside the church? Adding, it's kind of nice. I looked at him and said, Sure, why not? So we went inside and briefly admired the stained glass, although, you know, I just, I wasn't in a mood to be appreciating art right then. 
Noticing the guard up by the altar, I said to the, the cabbie, we, we got to go tell him what happened. He said, yeah. So we walked over and had basically an argument about whether the security at the place was sufficient. The, the, the vigilante's <laughs> viewpoint was pretty much like, well, we can't be watching everything around here. And no, it never, never once occurred to me that filing a police report would do any good. So basically, I fished out the 100 euro note I'd stuffed in a book left over from last summer's trip as an emergency backup for just such contingencies. And uh, that's, what, that's what got me through. There was an awkward moment at the airport when, uh, when after this guy directed me to the money changers and I now was back, uh, back in the dough, at least in the local currency, the Lempiras, changing the 100 euro note. I was thinking, now, what do you tip the taxi driver after you've been robbed? And I looked down and I had four 500 Lempira notes worth about 27 bucks a piece. So I just handed him one. He kind of sighed, looked a little disappointed, but then just said, I'm sorry about all this. Of course, many have suggested he may have been in on it, may have set me up, may have taken him, taken me there to get to, to get robbed, but he looked pretty disappointed that he didn't have his cell phone, and I, I don't think I was set up. I think that he got, uh, I think he got mugged as well. Anyway, I'm a great believer in having different experiences as you go through life, but yeah, that was one I was hoping I could avoid. But it seems clear that uh, the money was easy to replace, you know, getting into a fist fight, getting a broken nose, broken teeth, you know, or worse, would, was, would just have not been the right course of action. This did remind me of the number of times in foreign countries when I've gone walking in dodgy areas where I took a walking stick, you know, bigger than a baseball bat. Not that I'm sure I would have used them had several assailants come up, but, you know, people are looking for easy prey, an easy target, an easy way to make money, and if, you know, you look like you might be trouble, eh, you, you might get a pass. So, anyway, I'm not sure what lesson I learned from this. But I can tell you that the reports of crime in, in Honduras uh, are, are not exaggerated. Well, I'm not sure I'll be back to Tegucigalpa anytime soon, uh, their National Museum of Identity in the capital was pretty damn good. In fact, that's something I've never seen anywhere else. A projection of planet Earth which shows how the continents have slid about on our globe over the past 300 million years. Very cool little exhibit. I must have watched it go through its cycle 20 times. Anyway, I don't know if this, uh, this tale I've told will encourage you to travel into Latin America, but, but, uh, but I hope you do. On that note, I think we need to take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. Radio Parallax.